The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the show. There are people you dream about having on the show. The quest to get this particular guest began before the show even premiered. I first came across her work before I even knew it was her in the pictures. Then her appearance in the House of Gord made her one I had to follow. Over the past 19 months, I have followed her adventures in Fetish from her amazing dungeon and playmates in my former home to her infamous trip to the bayou, which put her in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. That trip coincided with her first scheduled appearance on this show. Now, nearly a year later, it is an honor to have who her fellow doms call the Satan Lady on the show. Lady Vi is an internationally famed lifestyle and professional dominatrix based in the Seattle metropolitan area. She is the Satanatrix and owner of the Church of Satanatrix, which is a trademarked organization. Lady Vi is a femdom producer and model whose work can be seen on clips for sale and House of Gourd. Lady Vi is our guest on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you were ever called outrageous. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I've pretty much consistently been called some sort of form of outrageous since I was a very tiny child. <laughs> um, I cannot remember a specific point in time. I was raised um, with a lot of encouragement and support um, in a really big family and um, had always been celebrated for being my own special brand of weird, um, my, my own unadulterated brazen, un, you know, uh, brazen self. Um, very outrageous, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Way to put me on the spot, John. <laughs> That's the idea. The hard-hitting questions. 
whether you pronounce it Satanatrix, Satanatrix, yes. or as Alexandra Snow calls it, Satan Lady, <laughs> the first time you wrote the word Satanatrix, and what inspired you to do it? So, you know, it's funny working in this industry, everything has already been done. You know, you can only wear a black cat suit so many different ways. You can only wear a corset a certain amount of ways. Um, you can only say mistress or domina or goddess. You know, it's just, we, it's just basically we just are, are just repeating each other over and over and over again. There are no original ideas or thoughts. In a social media world, People create hashtags out of things all the time. And a number of years ago, I started hashtagging Satanatrix because we turned out like Shamanatrix, uh, Demonatrix, like fucking Taco Natrix, like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever, whatever clever play on words. So I, I assume when I was doing that, that obviously this is a thing that somebody else had already done before. I did not realize or identify it as a unique to me thing um, until later when I went to get it trademarked and I had just looked it up and realized like wow there's literally nobody on the internet with the exception of one crazy gospel video that I saw where somebody was talking about not me um some some completely unrelated to me thing from so many years ago um I was the only one that was using it um and what it inspired that was I have uh, I've always been a satanist I I live breathe eat sin my entire my entire existence is sinful. Um, this has always been the way for me. Um, and so, yeah, so it was just a, just a clever, it was just like a clever play on, uh, on words. Um, it was just a clever hashtag that turned into a, a whole identity. It took on a life of itself. <laughs> First time you knew you were going to be a dom. Well, I found kink much later in life. Uh, I, I would say that kink found me very early in life. I just didn't have language for it. Um, I did not find kink until I was in my 30s. So I, it was much later in life. Uh, I would say in I met my ex-husband in 2008 or 2009, and he was a heel fetishist as well as a um, shiny fetishist, um, just loved dominant women. And I picked him up in a bar and he was just like, hmm. Did you know that you're a dominant woman? He didn't say that, um, but he saw that. And, you know, through that relationship, I was able to identify um, who I was, right? Um, I had always been a very dominant person in, just in my life. Um, I'm always in control of everything, just the way that it needs to be, because however I'm going to do it, it's going to be better. So just fucking listen to me, right? Uh, just, just listen. Everybody should just listen. It'd be so much better if everybody's listened. Um, but in bed, I was very different. I, I like to be completely in control outside of the bedroom. And then in bed, I just like to just be devoured. So I was pretty much a sexual bottom, if you can believe it. Um, never, never in a million years. Uh, I, I just, I didn't have access to um, kink or BDSM. I grew up in an old logging town in a time before internet. You know, and it, I, I didn't have exposure to, you know, city where you, you know, you see all these salacious things like, you know, uh, magazines and, you know, naughty stuff. Like the naughtiest thing that I would see would be like a Playboy maybe or something. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, this relationship that I was introduced to, um, you know, fetish and, and kink. And, and then in 2011, I found the leather community. 
And then that's when everything came together for me. And that's when um, I, I really became who I was, who I've always been. I became who I was. I just found language for myself. And I didn't, I didn't know I was a sadist. Um, I didn't know that, you know, what femdom was or that that's, that that was who I am. And it's so weird to think that really that wasn't that long ago. Like my journey didn't start that long ago, but I can trace it back to childhood, you know? Um, so yeah, so I'm a, I'm a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the first time was uh, probably picking up my ex-husband in the bar. This very tall, tall blonde man came and just sat in my lap. <laughs> so that's the key, huh? <laughs> yeah, maybe just come and sit in my lap. <laughs> you talked about late bloomers. Yes. First time you saw your new updated version of your chest oh. and your reaction to it. <laughs> well, um, okay, I'm gonna speak very candidly. Um, my bro, I, I thought like Frankenstein tits. And let me, let me loop around to why this is funny. So um, what most people didn't know about me is I had two completely different breasts. I had one that was like round and the nipple placement was like in the center and it was, you know, was my favorite. And then I had this other one that was like this slope shape with the nipple on the bottom. And I used to joke that it's because while they were forming, I used to choke myself during masturbation and I would use my left arm, which makes sense to you because you can see me on video right now. So you can see what I'm talking about. Um, But I've had that like my entire life. And so we would always joke like clown tits. I just thought it was funny. Um, And so when I first saw my breasts post-surgery, one looked like a round breast and then the other one they did all this reconstruction on was just it was like way up here underneath my shoulder like i'm just completely chopped up i look like a monster which you know is kind of a turn on for me so everybody's like oh watch out for scars i was like yeah but like i i could be into that aesthetic that monster scar aesthetic um they're not that way but yeah very pleased the first time that I had seen them when they had finally post healed, like now, like I just, I just love them. I love my uh, new additions. First time in a scene, mm-hmm. you had your bottom look up at you and just melt your heart. <sighs> the first time that happened, there have just been so many instances so many, so many opportunities that I've had, you know, in the lifestyle and also in my career, especially in my career to be able to hold space for people and be able to be able to be a safe space for them to be able to explore and accept parts of themselves that maybe they were ashamed of or that they hadn't, you know, previously touched on. So to name one almost feels, you know, uh, disingenuous. I don't know, like it, the first time I I do remember I used to when I when I first got in a leather community, I would do these, I would they'd do tastings or we'd have events and um, I would always uh, offer to be this a spanking top at the event, you know, and I'd run a little spanking booth. And um, and there were there's definitely one person that comes to mind that I they will not out. Um, so I don't want to give too many details about them. But um, 
they were an individual who was very, I say appreciative, but like, even though we didn't really talk, you know, um, in the beginning, like when we had our first thing, like it was the first time that I felt that power um, and the, and, and the, that connective tenderness, which is very funny to say when I'm talking about hitting somebody, but just, just of, of holding that space for somebody like, you know, in something even so, so, so uh, innocent as a spanking, you know, just to, just to, to see, see the reaction of them being touched and then also hit, but you know, just the whole, the whole connection of it. So yeah, I would say that I, I, I had the blessing of, of having that experience very early on. And um, it's definitely something that I've been blessed with consistently throughout my career and my time in the community. I asked Savannah Sly this question and I will ask you this question. Oh. First time you ever set foot in the house of Gord. <laughs> Talk about very intimidating. Um, the first time I stepped foot in the house of Gord, it was my first experience filming um, in a studio. And as my first experience filming in a situation with that I was not completely in control of, I was not producing and directing and, and um, having the final say in the cut. I, um, very nerve wracking, very exciting. I never had an opportunity to um, meet Gord. I came on the scene afterwards, but um, you know, uh, it's a, a friend of mine is, is involved in the production of that. And so I, it felt, um, it felt safe for me, you know, because I, I knew I knew it was a, there's a familiar face there and not like I was walking with some strangers, but oh my God, when you walk in, you just feel the weight, the positive weight of the, um, just how like, like this, the special, the history, the, the, just the awesomeness, like it's just, it's in fucking describable. It was, it was indescribable. Absolutely. Um, wow. Yeah. It was, it was quite an experience that I've had an opportunity to go back a couple of times and then COVID. <laughs> it's like walking into the Madison square garden of kink. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Talk about nerve, talk about nerves, talk about walking in with imposters and like, I don't know how I got here, but <laughs> When we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want with the amazing Lady Vi, we will talk about a little trip to New Orleans. <laughs> You've wanted to hear about it. She's able to talk about it when we come back. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity 
tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, Milfs Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about my friends at Lotus Blooms. Lotus Blooms is an adult shop with a different kind of feel. You'll notice the difference when you walk into the warm, welcoming shop where everyone is welcome and celebrated. They offer a beautiful collection of size-inclusive lingerie and steel bone corsets, and their staff loves helping folks find something they feel amazing in. They also carry a curated collection of body-safe sex toys and vibrators, impact toys, and restraints. And their incredible staff are trained as educators, and they look forward to helping you explore your pleasure. Visit them in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., or shop online at www.lotusblooms.com. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, joined by Lady Vi. And in show business, you always go back to memorable moments. And I was a big fan of the late night wars between David Letterman and Jay Leno. And David Letterman led the way for months after months after months until Hugh Grant was caught with a trans prostitute. And Hugh Grant came on to the show, to Jay Leno's show, to talk about this for the very first time. You had a trip to New Orleans. I'm going to let you tell the exact story, but I am going to ask it in the way Jay Leno asked Hugh Grant, what the hell were you thinking? 
What do you mean going to the Bible Belt to film porn? <laughs> I was invited to Louisiana to film porn in a church. And uh, while we were filming, some passerby saw some lights on and entered onto church property, which is private property, and unbeknownst to us, filmed us. And suddenly you found yourself in the newspaper, which must have been a different feeling. Yes. You know, um, making international tabloid headlines was not how I expected things to go on my trip or really ever anytime. It's a, it's a very, it's a very weird spotlight to be in. There's a lot of misconceptions about what happened especially in the media. It's been really misrepresented in the media because we haven't been able to talk about it. And I have been granted permission to talk and share some information about the case to clear some of that up. And so I am very happy to do so. As far as the biggest misconception, if you can share your view on it. Yeah. The biggest misconception is that, um, that we were broken to the church or that we were in the view of the public. Um, we absolutely were not. I was an invited guest. We were invited guests there with the priest. This was his church. Um, we were not in the view of the public. Um, we were the victim of peeping toms. Had this activity taken place in our home or somewhere else, um, the peeping tom would have been arrested. It's very frustrating. You know, we were arrested for obscenity which is very clearly, which is two things. One, you have to be in the view of the public. And two, you have to have the intent of being in the view of the public. And neither one of those things were true. We had no idea that um, there was anybody watching us, no idea that it could be watched. But you know what most people don't understand is we were arrested for obscenity. We didn't get charged with anything for six months. And when we were charged, we were not charged with obscenity. We were charged with institutional vandalism, which is a hate crime. And then six months later, they added, the state added the additional charge of obscenity. So now we have two charges against us, obscenity and also institutional vandalism. And you might be saying, well, what was vandalized? Like, did you just walk into the church and now it's just it's just beyond repair because a satanatrix can't be in such a holy space? <laughs> no, you know, it's very public about the altar. They are alleging that there are items that were damaged because they did not like how they were used. Um, those details are very salacious and not something that I can share. I'm very much looking forward to trial in April when these things will come out. The, the charges against us are absolutely absurd um to say that what we did was a crime or to try to charge us with the crimes that they are that they are alleging that we committed is a stretch of the imagination you know what it comes down to is um we were doing activities that um are not so welcome in the bible belt so not only did your brand name get out there your government name got out there Absolutely. This was absolutely a crossing every boundary that you would have put up in the first place. Mm -hmm. As a human being, even though you are the absolute 
portrayal of this strong dom that would never take anything and you're most powerful in what you do. I can only imagine you were pretty scared. You know, I would have to say that when the news broke, there was definitely, I would say about an hour, an hour of, you know, heightened anxiety. I'm very open that I do, you know, I have, I have ADHD and also a panic anxiety disorder. It's just part of how I live my life. It's the magic of me. It's part of the secret recipe. Um, but there was definitely an hour of, you know, oh shit, this is the cat's out of the bag. Like this is everywhere. I feel extremely grateful. Like I'm an out dominatrix. I, you know, even before, even in the before times, before I was a professional dominatrix, back when I was, you know, still working in government, um, my entire life, back when I was a drug addict, like my entire life, I've, I've lived a hundred lives, a hundred, I've lived so many lives in this one, in these 42 years. I have always been a hundred percent or 666% my authentic self and unapologetically me, the good, the bad, the ugly. And so I felt very grateful that, you know, when the story broke, there was no, there was nobody in my life that was all of a sudden, like I wasn't being outed and doxxed. All of a sudden people weren't like, oh no, you're, you're a what? Like there was no, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I'm uniquely positioned, right? It didn't end my life. Uh, I don't have, I didn't have to worry about now I have, you know, I have small children and, and CPS is going to be involved or, oh no, what will the neighbors think? Or, you know, my family is going to disown me. Um, I didn't have any of that. But what I do have now is forever, my legal name will forever be tied to my professional name. That has cost me bank accounts. That has, um, has had very real impacts. It, it means that anybody can easily look on the internet and find out who I am and where I am. And that does come, you know, with, I wouldn't say fear because fuck that. I refuse to be afraid. I won't, I won't allow, I won't, I'm not scared, but it does mean that I have to operate my life in you know, different ways. I have to have, you know, maximum security at my home. I have to have, you know, I have to think about things that other people don't have to think about, right? Like, you know, self-defense, home defense, um, sharing details about where I am and when I'm there. Those are things that now I have to, that I have to think about that I didn't before. I, I no longer get to get to enjoy the anonymity in my life that I once did. And that's, and that's just the way that it is that I wouldn't say was scary. I wasn't, I wasn't terrified of it, but it certainly has altered the fabric of my life in ways that can never be changed. And there's the old saying, you know who your friends are at times like that. And I am sure, yes, there would be critics because there's always critics when it comes to what we enjoy. But I also know that for a fact that you got some tremendous support, not only from friends, but from people you didn't even know. 
Yes. The, I have to say the, the positive, the support that I've received, the, the positive response, um, from like, not only like, just like the femdom community, like colleagues that I didn't know reaching out, like, do I need anything? Like, um, but just from the public, you know, even, you know, even, even, um, places like Fox news, uh, watchers were commenting, you know, basically the general consensus was like, these are three consenting adults. There's so much focus on the behavior of these three consenting adults. What about all of these, these, these children, all, all these victims, like where, you know, where are the altars that are burned for them? Where, where are the, where are the outcries and the, and the, and the public damnation from the church and the media over all of the children that are getting harmed by their priests? Where the fuck is that? That's nowhere, but you know what? Don't you dare be three consenting adults and do something that the that the church has themselves de declared demonic, something naughty, um, because that 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 is an act against God. But mm -hmm. you know, the hypocrisy, the absolute fucking hypocrisy, is infuriating, and I'm not the only one that's upset about that. That seems to be shared. That seems to be a, a shared upset and frustration with me, with the larger community, as well as, you know, the victims, their families, and also, you know, other, you know, cat, the Catholic community, like, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. It's the intersection between people who know everything they do is right and on the right path, and they are absolutely convinced of it. Mm -hmm. And the people who live their genuine lives and the people who live because it makes them feel good and they're not harming others and they are taking paths and investigating journeys that make them feel good. One persecutes, the other celebrates. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to see why one is the way it is and it's very easy to see why the other is the way it is yeah you know and and i think that's like the basis for you know the heart of why you know religion is this taboo role play is because so many people grow up with incredible amounts of shame and in these environments with incredible amounts of oppression and you know I, I try to imagine what it must be like to be raised like that with these conflicting, like, this is who I am. This is what makes me feel good. This is what makes me happy. And then also like, this isn't okay. This is, you know, God is watching. I'm going to go to hell. Like it might surprise you to learn. I was not raised with religion. Um, you know, not to say my, you know, my, my family is religious. My family believes in God. My mom also believes that she really wanted me to be able to grow up and be able to identify um, what religion and spirituality was true to me. And, you know, yeah, I got immediately into the occult and <laughs> I found, well, Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible was, you know, um, was eye-opening for me as a teenager. Um, but what a gift, what a fucking gift to be able to be given the opportunity to identify and grow and learn who you are and develop who you are in such an authentic and real way and not be told how you're supposed to be. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a huge part of why I'm so resilient and, um, how I became who I am today. And it's interesting, and I'm not outing my family by saying this, but 
My former spouse was an atheist. My son is a born again Christian. I am somebody who has faith, believes in God, doesn't understand the Jesus part of it because I had Bible shoved in my face during college and it made me go, whoa, hold on. (laughs) But I always have believed and whether you are on the Satan side of things or you are on the God and Jesus side of things, I believe the one thing that holds us all together is love. Yeah. Yeah. And if you believe in love, you're not going to go wrong. Absolutely. I mean, maybe a few broken hearts say, eh. <laughs> but no, it, it's so true. And, you know, I feel like, so like I'm a Satanist, identify as a Satanist. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist. I, I do not believe in God. Um, I do. I'm, I'm spiritual, which I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just a, a big, a big old fucking, uh, contradiction in some things because i do believe i believe in energy and i believe in spirituality um but me personally i do not believe in a heaven or hell i do not believe in the bible um i do not believe in god as a as a, as a concept of this all-knowing all-being all-loving whatever um and i do not believe in the devil and i think that's very important and i know it's going to be a boner killer for some people i get this a lot guys reaching out to me who are just like yes like tell me that you believe in Satan. And I'm just like, I don't actually, uh, you know, taking the, taking the identity, uh, identifying as oneself as a Satanist is more like a fuck you, a fuck you to the, just the, this, this Christian culture that that's forced upon us. Like I, I don't hate, I don't hate religion. I don't hate spirituality. I believe that we all live one life. We get one fucking shot at this. And if Sunday school is the thing that like gives you meaning and peace and that makes you happy, then fucking do that. Like one shot, we each get one shot, but don't, it's when you start preaching your shit onto other people and expecting other people to buy into your own ideologies and your own moral ideas of what's right and what's wrong. Fuck that. Fuck that so hard. So I'm a Satanist as, as in fuck you, but not a Satanist as in like, I believe in the fucking devil. Because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's a symbol, symbolic of my fuck you. As we finish this segment, I would be remiss if I just didn't say, is there anything else you'd like to talk about in regards to the subject of Louisiana? Because as we move forward, I want to get into more fun things, but I want to make sure we're not leaving anything out. I, I always believe in the best of intent. I mean, on one hand, yes, I feel like uh, we are being persecuted. I'll myself. I am being persecuted because I do not fit into the mold of what, what they expect a, a woman should behave and be like. Uh, our pretrial is in March and trial starts in April. And... You know, I do have to believe that everybody involved, including the state, was doing the best with what they had, not trying to be malicious, not trying to be like, oh, she's a witch, I'm going to burn her. But they've been doing the best with what they have. And I have to hope that when it is time to actually sit down and go through the details and all the evidence of the case, that the charges against us and the alleged crimes that they, you know, currently believe that we committed will be 
easily um, explained away in all the evidence that, that they're going to be presented. So I, I still, I have faith, you know, I'm just <laughs> a woman of faith, you know me. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there's still, it's, just, it's, it's, it's crazy because it's been going on for so long, but also we have to remember that this is the time of pandemics. Like while, while this case is very much central to my life and other pe- the other people in, that are involved in, in this trial, there is over a year of cases of people who are potentially sitting in jail, still waiting for their day in court, who, you know, did not have the privilege of getting bailed out like I did. And those cases have come, will come before ours. So while this seems to be going on for a long time, the state has not had an opportunity, I do not believe, to sit down and thoroughly go over all the evidence. Um, and I certainly know that you know, other people involved have not as well. So I'm still very hopeful, optimistic that, um, that this will be resolved um, before trial. And if not, I look forward to my day in trial and that will be in April of this year. I thank you so much for talking about that. And when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we're going to talk a little bit of fun and devilishness and deviousness and things that make (laughs) Lady Vi smile. And there's a lot when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the show. Joined by Lady Vi. Don't ever say Lady V. It's Lady Vi. And it's easy. V-I. How hard is that? (laughs) People mispronounce it all the time. Um, And it doesn't, it it, it makes me chuckle, you know. Um, Also, Satanatrix. I love, like, I love how often people either struggle to pronounce it or mispronounce it. It's I like, said satanatrix in the in the uh, pr- promo, so I, I, I'm I guilty. 
No, I heard it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a little bit of non-consensual, you know, mental, emotional sadism on my part, because I do get a little kick out of it that, you know, people fuck up and then they, they feel really bad. They're just like, Oh no. And it's like, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily by design, but it's, you know, it's an, a nice little perk, I guess. And as Alexandra Snow called you the Satan lady. <laughs> so I want to talk about something that she brought up to me that I should bring up to you. And apparently there's a story about an infamous trip to Hawaii with you, Alexandra Snow, and a few of your closest Dom friends. Yes, we did. Uh, one, can we just stop for a second and just talk about what a powerhouse, incredible woman and human being that Alexandra Snow is like she is she really embodies like if you if you were to 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 put forward a femdom role model for like the baby doms that are coming into the scene and, and to say like this is how this is how you do it like Alexandra Snow is is it she's she's compassionate, she's kind, she's skilled, and she is so giving with her knowledge. And she is so, she is so much about empowering the women in this community. Uh, and I mean, women and people of all, of all genders, um, empowering us and bringing us together. And so she put together this, um, this, this trip to Hawaii and I um, had the pleasure of going on it. And it was, it was everything that you could imagine. <laughs> oh, there's a lot I could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot and fun. And, you know, there was, there was strap on fucking in the jungle. There were partying nights. There were, there were a lot of um, wonderful things. And then I got really sick and almost died. <laughs> I am sure she was not expecting me to talk about, but um, it's, it's probably not the funnest story for anybody outside. Maybe some um, extreme toilet fetishists would really enjoy the story about how uh, Lady Vi spent 48 hours uncontrollably shitting herself and then had to go to the hospital. Mm. <laughs> and you laugh about it, which is the part of you that I absolutely love is you seem to have this irrepressible joy of life. Where did that come from? You know, um, you know, I, I wish I could say that, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I, I am a woman of a certain age who has lived a pretty extraordinary life full of a lot of privilege and, um, and I've also had some darker periods of my life that not everybody makes it out of. And I have a lot of gratitude that I did. And how did I do it? I don't know. I just, I just did. I did it. I had a wonderful supportive family network and I had a lot, I have a team of people in my life who showed up for me um, along the way that helped, helped lead me out of the darkness that I was in the darkness of addiction. Um, and, you know, I just, in life, you know, you can either laugh and try to just find joy and stuff, or you can just let it break you. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I am a person who who has suffered with depression. And I'm a person who, like, I might I have some very high highs, but, like, 
my lows can be just as low. And, you know, um, I'm a human, I'm a human and, and all of the entrapments that come along with the human experience I am subjected to, but no matter what happens, I will not allow anything to fucking break me. Like I, I will laugh at the things that are hard, maybe not in the middle of them being hard, but I can certainly laugh at the absurdity afterwards. That was a tough two weeks being in and out of the hospital and not knowing what was happening with my body and not knowing, you know, if this was going to be my new normal or what was going on. Um, that's scary. And then you come out of the other side and then you have to, I mean, you have to have a sense of humor about things, right? Like if you can't laugh at yourself, what the fuck are you doing? Like that's where the best material comes from. <laughs> you talked about not giving up. And yeah. in my personal kink journey, especially when I started getting into impact, because I was a total sensation person. Don't hit me. I don't like it. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and now suddenly I've become this impact person. I wouldn't call myself a masochist, but I definitely enjoy a flogger. Not too wild about hard paddles, but I'll get there eventually. <laughs> But the thing that keeps me going is the fact that I don't want to give up. Yeah. As I feel the impact and as I feel the different implements, it's not that I don't want to call red. It's about not giving up for the person that is having the scene with me. In many cases, it's my love, my queen, in many cases, it's my dom. In many cases, it's just people who I enjoy playing with. Explain the role of perseverance in your life because you've had to do it an awful lot. <sighs> Put me on the spot, John. You know, I think that it's something that in the moment you don't recognize that you're doing it. At least for my personal experience, it's just showing up and doing the best that you can. I'm not going to say there have not been days where I couldn't show up for myself and I, I couldn't show up for life, but it's the, it's the, there's that word faith again, having faith <laughs> and belief in yourself that like, that you will, you know, um, and just, you just put one foot in front of the fucking other. Like it can be tough. Um, especially if you're a person such as myself who has a very hard time asking for help or being vulnerable. Uh, more so in the past, I think that, you know, in my my fully formed adult self now, I'm just kidding, I'll never be fully formed or 100% adult, but um, like I, I, have, I have found power and vulnerability and I um, have been able to reach out and ask for help from people um, when things have got the darkest and the hardest. And that's really no credit to myself. That is credit to the, the people that I have in my life. Man, I have an incredible support system. You know, my family, my friends, my chosen family, um, I, uh, my, my partners, like I, you know, my husband, you know, I just, I feel so grateful 
and I don't know what I did to deserve them. But when things get hard and I have to persevere, it's the support and the love from the people around me. And then the, you know, support of the people who out in the world, you know, who, you know, words of kindness and, and generosity of, you know, spirit such as yourself, um, who, who help, like, it is so incredibly hard to give up on yourself when people that you don't even really know come to you and tell you what an impact your life makes, an impact that you make on them in positive ways. Like how disrespectful it would be for me to give up on myself when, they're, when I'm surrounded by so many loving people who don't give up on me and how I'm able to be a positive influence to others in such a meaningful way. Like, so, I mean, what other choice do I have, right? Sometimes you just, you just push through. I, I wish that there was like a secret sauce to it, but you just, you just keep showing the fuck up, you know? And oftentimes the times in our lives that are the hardest, we don't really realize that we're persevering until we get on the other side and we can laugh about it and be like, yeah, you know, remember that time I was in Hawaii and I fucking shit my pants a hundred times. Wasn't that funny? Um, <laughs> in the moment I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm literally dying. What is happening to me? You know? <laughs> you mentioned secret sauce and during the break, we've had wonderful conversations during the break. And they have really touched me the way we've been able to connect with each other. And to me, the most amazing thing that you said during that break was the connection being the secret sauce that nobody knows about Yeah. when it comes to kink. Yeah. Those beautiful moments where like, you know, people see the like, oh, the dirty and the filthy and the bleeding and the beating, but they don't see those, those tender moments when when you get to bear witness to people showing up for themselves and you get to bear witness to like the core of who people are and you get to watch people transform and become empowered um, through, you know, like, you know, you were, you were saying about, you know, um, wanting to, to be your best, right. Wanting to, to be the best for the person that you're there and how you persevere in those moments. Um, you know, really as doms, we really are just artists, you know, we're, it's like a symphony, like I'm, a, I'm like a conductor and the, and the person that you're playing with a scene, it's a symphony of everything, the flesh, the body, the mind is, are the instruments and the energy is the music and you just kind of flow with that, you know? And it can be so tender and so sweet, you know? What a, what a absolute beautiful wholeness it can be where you can kick somebody and tell them they're a dirty, fucking disgusting piece of shit. And the only time that they ever can matter or have purpose is when your foot is in their ass. And then afterwards, you can cradle their heads and pet them and tell them how much you love them. Like that is, mm, it's the magic of it, right? It's the secret sauce. I have spoken many times on this program talking about the fact that my first public scene, which took place in Dallas, 
was one where a woman knew that I had a high stress job, knew that my marriage was falling apart and that I felt like I could do nothing right. And I was always worried about what was going to happen in uh, ahead and all the things that I had to do and all the important things that, that I was being responsible for and needed. And also all the things that I'd left behind, like I'd left an entire uh, group of friends in Seattle and I'd left all my improv friends and left all these people behind. And in that 45 minutes, when she had me tied down on a bondage table she was doing CBT, which I didn't even know what it was at the time. And it was light, but it was something to try to introduce me to what was going on. At the end of the scene, I sat up and she looked at me and I started to cry. And she said, are you okay? And I said, I just realized that for the first time in a dozen years, I wasn't thinking about what's happened in the past. I wasn't thinking what I have to do in the future. I was thinking about where I was. That's so beautiful. And that everybody talks about kinky sex or sex being a part of it. The most amazing part to me is my addiction for being in that moment. Yeah, being in the present. It's such a gift. What, are, what is the, the oh, what is that saying? I'm imagining the monkey from, um, from Lion King. Uh, the, something about the, anyways, talks about the past, talks about the future. And he says, but the, now is there's a, something about the present and about how it's a gift. I don't know. I'm botching this. But basically, yes, that the the being able to be present is a gift. That's why they call it a present. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautifully put. I hadn't thought of that. Now you got to rush out and watch The Lion King so you can get the actual quote. What is the one thing that makes you the happiest in a scene? Is there something that you do that just brings joy to your heart, whether it be impact or whether it be testing someone's limits? What's the thing that makes you just be all giddy? Oh, the connection and being able to connect and, 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 and hold space for people. Um, but I will say, and you might find this to be um, very curious. I think it's very curious um, that my dem my I think we all have a demographic that's that's drawn to us, you know. Mm -hmm. And my demographic seems to be um, you know, people who are brand new. Uh brand new. I, I get a lot of I I I have a lot of neurodivergent clients. I have a lot of, of clients who are uh sexual virgins, you know, like traditional virgins, um, as well as kink virgins. Um I get a lot of younger babies that come through and see me. Um the young generation and being able to um, be able to being able to help introduce them the, the connection it's not always the kink it's just the the being able to connect with another person um, is 
that i mean that is that that brings me the most joy is this is all all of these virginal babies that come to me that um that get to explore themselves in ways that they never have before that that makes me the giddy and the happiest and i am sure that that's what allows people to just feel their authentic self and want to come back and see you over and over again. I guess that's a better way to put it is that just being able, when, when people are able to show up and like connect and explore themselves in an authentic way, you know, whether they're brand new or whether they're a seasoned player, like that is, that's, that's my favorite. That's, that's my favorite shit. When people, when people strip down their facade and allow themselves to to uh, explore themselves and connection in ways they never have whether you know they're brand new or whether they're seasoned that is that is my jam (laughs) there's a lot of times when i talk uh, to fetish models or actresses and say where does the character end and the real human behind it begin But the more and more I talk to doms, they say there is no dividing line. Yeah, that's true. With you, I couldn't imagine there is a dividing line. But I will ask this curious question. Okay. With your lifestyle partners, Mm -hmm. is there a different kind of connection with them than there is with your professional partners? Or do you feel that joy every single time you put on a cat suit or whatever you'd like to wear at the time? Um, you know, I would say that every single connection is different. Uh, the connections with my lifestyle partners, like so individualized. Um, and that is the same with my clients. Um, you know, very, very rarely do I have a client to where I feel like I was just this kind of any, you could have inserted any dominatrix in the scene and that, you know what I mean? That that was just, it was just a very generic thing. Um, I, I, I am very particular about who I accept and who I will share my time with. Um, and I think that, 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 that has helped, um, has helped. Can you still hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, I, I feel like that has, helped kind of curate a congregation of people who um, I'm able to connect with in very real and personal ways. Like, no, like I have clients that I love and I care for. I have, I have clients that, you know, when the pandemic hit that, you know, I would check in on because maybe I'm the only person in their life outside of their job or they're isolated in other ways. Um, they're, every single connection is unique and different. And while, Yes, like I, my my personal lifestyle partners, like I've been with, you know, for um, Aiden, my my feral slut boy, Aiden. We've been together now for like seven years, um, and you know, uh, my cadaver boy. We've been together now. Is it have been three years? You know, and um, and you know, a hole, a bondage toy. Um, it and I have been also, you know, seeing each other for a number of years now. And obviously when you are 
when you have that amount of time invested with people, the connections and bonds grow deeper. But that doesn't necessarily mean that in a professional capacity with the clients that I've had for several years, you know, um, that it's any that it's any different. And I have I have I have people in my life now with whom have been with me since the beginning of my sex work career. When I started sex work, I did camming for like a handful of months before I started prodoming. Um, and I have, you know, people in my life who followed me from my cam days through to the now. And they're some of my biggest supporters and those connections are deep. Those bonds are deep. So yeah, it's really hard to differentiate between the difference between like professional and personal when you're talking about dynamics that are so intimate as in what we do. At least that's my truth. I'm not speaking, I can't speak for the greater, you know, Dom collective, but you know, for me, that, that's true for me. And yeah, what, what you see is what you get. Like I can't, every dynamic's different. My energy with everybody's different. Our dynamic would be different than my dynamic with somebody else. So, you know, yeah, like when the way that you see me engage with bondage toy and video is not going to be cookie cutter on how I just, that's how Lady Vi does it with everybody. You know, and the way you see me, you know, engage with Aiden is not the way, you know, I do it with everybody. Everything is very personalized and different. And I got to tell you, I can't act for shit. <laughs> you just got to get this chaos all the time. <laughs> I'm going to speak some truth to you, which I've mentioned to a few people who are uh, professional doms. I think... My difficulty is that I connect so deeply and I feel so deeply that my biggest worry about ever going to a professional dom is that I would fall madly in love. And to not be able to naturally act on that love saying i want to take you to dinner hey can i give you a call that would be heartbreaking for me and it's because i think that i'm always seeing the human and i realize from being a television producer for so many years and having people go Hey, John, can you make a video for me? I know exactly how you all are feeling because that's how I made my living. And friends would go, hey, could you just do that for me? So I realized there's that professional part there. But when you're playing with the heart, that's where it's so tough for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, and, and, it, and it goes both ways. Like, you know, us doms, like we, I mean, Again, I can't speak for anybody else. I become very attached to my clients. And I know this isn't specific to me because I hear it. It's a shared thing, you know? When you have somebody who's a part of your life and then all of a sudden you just don't see them anymore and you don't know, did they die? Nobody will ever let you know. Or also, you know, maybe they've, they've moved on because that, you know, it's the nature of this. Like sometimes somebody will be very present and you'll see them all the time for like six months or, you know, a year. And then all of a sudden they disappear and you don't know, like, did they die? 
did they move on and find somebody else? You know, which happens a lot in, in this, you know, in this industry, you know, you'll have somebody who's so very present in your life that you're seeing and connected to and invested in. And then, you know, they just move on to somebody else. And that, that doesn't go away. Like, you know, I, I care about my clients, you know, and um, it's always nice if you're out there, hello, and you're going to move on to somebody else, that's fine. Um, it's always nice to send the person that you've been seeing a note and to say, hey, you know, and, I, and I've also had, you know, quite a few very thoughtful clients who are just like, I'm getting ready to retire and I'm not going to be able to see you anymore or my contract in the area is up so I will not be traveling, you know, out there as much or hey, it's been a while since I've seen you. I just wanted to check in with you and let you know that I think about you. My situation has changed that I can't see you anymore or you know, whatever it, it is. Like those notes and messages that you send to your provider, your professional dominatrix, it means the world to us because we do care. But it's, it's, a, it's a definitely a fine line to walk between the like, this is our career and this is how we make money and that has to be respected but also we're human beings who are connecting in a very intimate way and emotions do go both sides. And I think that the, that trying to say that you can control your emotions when you're connecting with other people is just, it's absurd. Um, you can't, all you can do is control your behavior, you know? Um, and I think that falling in love with your Dom is okay. Um, but then also recognizing like, oh, I'd like to see you go out to dinner. There's probably a social rate or, oh, I'd like to call you. There's probably a, a phone rate. And I have, and I do, and I have, I have clients in my life who like, who will call me through the, the paid things that they want to talk to me who are just, it's just all about being respectful of time. And I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one, but you know, not all of us are very strict clock watchers. If I'm going out to dinner with a beloved parishioner of mine, I'm not like, well, it's been an hour and a half. Your time is up. I'm the fuck out of here now. Uh, usually it's like, oh shit, um, it's been, we've, I gotta go. I planned on leaving an hour and a half ago. <laughs> but it's just all about just respect and just treating, you know, treating, respecting, respecting the, the, the professional um, client dynamic, but you know, also knowing that it is okay to have, to have feelings and that bonds are very real and we should probably talk about them more actually. <laughs> I love the fact that you just brought an entirely new perspective to not only this show, but to, uh, to my mind, to be able to understand what goes through your mind. And that is the joy of doing this show is so many people have so many assumptions as to what things are and the way things are. But the fact is we are humans loving other humans and interacting with other humans. Yep. And that's the joy of life. It is. Is that secret sauce? <laughs> secret sauce indeed. You have been simply amazing to talk to. I appreciate you sharing your story. 
the one that wasn't so uh, easy to talk about, and then the one that was so easy to talk about because you are your authentic self, and that is such a beautiful thing. I am glad that we persevered through more than a year to finally get you on the show. And it has been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. The pleasure was absolutely all mine. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with you. And I enjoy the parts that aren't going to be a part of the show where we got to connect in the breaks. Um, you are just such a generous and kind and open-hearted human being. And I wish you just all of the blessings and the love that life has to give. I know there are amazing days ahead for this force of nature. I also know there are trying times as well. Of our guests so far, no one has been kinder and been in touch with me more than Lady Vi. It's a pretty simple connection. One human cheering on another. I hope we get to meet someday, as the sheer incredible nature of this woman is so attractive to me. I fall in love with the personality and the kindness. She may be the Satanatrix to many, but to me, she's a wonderful human of the best kind. Next week, it's another wonderful human and woman who I have admired from afar. It took a lot of invites to convince her to be on the show, but when we finally met, we had an instant connection that will bring you an in-depth interview of the successful businesswoman, super smart and seductive Dom and fetish producer extraordinaire, the one, the only, goddess Alexandra Snow. Next week on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I thank you for being with us for this edition of the show. And as always, thank Dating Kinky for being the presenting sponsor of the show. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.